Welcome to Fields of Consciousness, a podcast for consciousness conversations with your host, myself, Jeffrey Stegman. And I'm Clayton Stegman. As consciousness explorers and founders of Focus Life Force Energy, we're here to bring a holistic approach to consciousness and share practical examples of how you can take your life to the next level. In this episode, we discuss biohacking as a way to take control of your environment and your body to optimize your expression and experience in this world. You can biohack in body, mind, and spirit. This is a multi-part episode, and today we focus on the biological or biohacking aspect in the body. Enjoy the episode. Hey, Jeff, how are you doing? Doing good, Clayton. Glad to be here. Today we are discussing biohacking and other emerging ways to elevate our quality of life to a level which we believe is a much larger and richer quality of life than commonly known. The term biohacking has entered the public awareness as a positive practice. Hacking has been a term for the negative practice of breaking into computer systems to cause damage, or to extort money. This is still the case, and these positive meanings of hacking are emerging. So let's look at some current definitions that we feel are are good ones. So biohacking, as defined by Dave Asprey, he's the founder of Bulletproof Coffee and the Bulletproof brand in general, is, uh, quote, the desire to be the absolute best version of ourselves via a systems thinking approach to our own biology, unquote. So that definition obviously emphasizes um, our physical, uh, physical health. Biohacking could also be defined as exerting as much control as you can over your own environment and your body to optimize your expression and experience in this world. Hack has come... Uh, into use to find meaning uh, in our lives on a bigger than just a biological level. And often it is a a term that's uh, associated with finding a shortcut or a missing factor to increase our health, performance, or satisfaction in life. So like language, um, the term biohacking is emerging. So in our work, we we talk about something called a critical factor. So biohacking, if you're looking for where you can put the least amount of effort in for the most amount of gain, uh, that's a common kind of framework for the biohacking world. We call that finding the critical factor. And another aspect of uh, biohacking is just uh, making a conscious choice based upon your priorities at the time. So if you have uh, a certain health issue that's not, getting in the way too much, but you want to work on weight loss or you want to work on um, you know, a particular part of your life because um, you really enjoy a sport and you know, getting a certain part of your body in shape. Like it's uh, winter here in, in, uh, in Nelson where, where the head office uh, is for FLFE and 
it's skiing season and a lot of people have been in the gym working on their on their legs because they want to go skiing you know that may not be the most important thing in the overall health of their life but <laughs> well maybe having more fun is but uh you know, they work on their legs so you see all these people in the gym <laughs> doing leg workouts for weeks before ski season starts so this applies to biology or the body um, most of this physical aspect obviously this physical focus um, we also want to include in our definition the energetic system that would be the meridians the chakras the aura and then thirdly or probably secondly uh, if we go biology or physical secondly we would talk about mind and spirit and we tend to use the the term optimization rather than hacking and so those are some of the ways that we approach uh, this new and quite frankly exciting focus on uh, I always I always thought of it Jeff as another version of searching for uh, divinity or searching for a high consciousness state you know when you're mm-hmm. healthy you're at a higher level of conscious when you're not and in the traditions of the east you know they talk about enlightenment as the as the ultimate end and and I just mm-hmm. see these terms in the West biohacking right now is very popular as another way of relating to that same universal theme that humanity's had as long as there's been humans. I guess it's trying to uh, have the best quality of life possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and since you know, since I was young, I really been looking for those ways, you know, to to connect to the other side, to my spirituality um, and to get, you know, stronger and faster, you know, in sports, Mm -hmm. I used to, used to race mountain bikes. So, you know, finding those, uh, things that you could take or, you know, on, on the legal side of things, but the, they really nourish the body and help you perform the best. Um, and to me, it was always did include the spirit, um, and the mind, you know, the, the spirit for how to connect to the other side or to a higher power. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about some of these hacks like, like sensory deprivation, mm-hmm. something I did when I was uh, young, trying to, to recreate that uh, experience of connecting to the guides and the, the experience of passing over uh, that people can do with sensory deprivation flow tank kind of things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, for me, it's always been connected, the mind, body, and spirit. And, you know, we've been talking through this, this podcast series of consciousness and fields of consciousness. And, um, you know, we believe that our, our consciousness, our intentions and these fields of consciousness that are around us all the time shape our reality. And with the awareness, uh, you know, of these factors, of these things around us affecting us, uh, which does also include the mind and things that are maybe from our past, past traumas or past experiences as a child affecting us. But then really, you know, taking our will and our focus, um, you know, with that and with really applying that, we believe that our creative mind, body, and spirit potential is extraordinary. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, 
as Clayton said, you know, much more than we commonly think our potential to be. And whether we know it or not, we bend reality to meet our vision. It might be unconscious, might be conscious. And in the context of biohacking, uh, this could include, you know, having the the will, the intention to be the best versions of ourselves and living a long, healthy and joyful life. So in FLFE and the work that we do in Focus Life Force Energy Company that Clayton and I founded and work in every day, we're well versed, well versed in the optimization of the mind, body, and spirit in that environment. And so a high consciousness field is a container for this transformative potential in raising the level of consciousness, or you could call it the potential of the field, uh, whether it's an environment or around a phone or an object, like we, like we do with our technology. You know, we believe expands what is available to manifest in the field, you know, that there's just more potential there. You know, we would quite literally have more energy, in fact, often, you know, exponentially more energy available to us to create, to create from um, in fields that are resonating at these higher levels of consciousness or higher octaves of consciousness. So we believe that the highest form of self-optimization includes the mind, the body, and the spirit. Uh, for an integrated, integrated result. And though we may have separate concepts for the mind, body, and spirit, they are deeply interconnected. You know, for example, you know, as I mentioned before, trauma has compromised the mind or something that's happened in our childhood that has us be really tough inner critic of ourselves. So we're, you know, constantly second guessing ourselves. We're upset with ourselves. We're, um, you know, never uh, maybe grateful for what we have, but we're instead, you know, always looking to 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 get better in some way. You know, we believe this takes a toll on both the body and spirit. And there's plenty of research out there about, uh, you know, being in a cortisol state or a high stress state, which we can do with our minds. We can put ourselves in a high stress state. It really doesn't have to be anything external happening for that to occur, that the, you know, the body is, is affected negatively by that. Um, so that the FLFE high consciousness environment supports all of our systems to uplift together in harmony or coherence. So energy flows to the lower functioning bodily areas, um, you know, following Chinese medicine and having more qi, prana, or life force energy available in these high consciousness fields and lower resonating parts of our consciousness are supported to rise. So, you know, kind of in this soup of higher levels of, of vibration, the lower vibration things tend to rise. And at the same time, the mind 
quiets and its ability to connect to a higher power supported. And this is why we we see FLFE having such a bolstering healing uh, effect on the mind, body, and spirit. We had a, we had a webinar last night and a uh, woman, Mary, came on and talked to us about her life. And uh, she's at 66 years old in the best shape in her life. And she spoke about uh, physically, uh, you know, her body had turned around a cardiac uh, condition and she was just feeling physically the best she had in her life. And spiritually, she had moved into uh, working with people that are close to passing over, you know, people that are in that last stage of life as, as, as a new job. So it was really quite interesting to see that. So as as an overall field of consciousness, physical body, spiritual connection, all uplifts, then we can expand the potential for us of our personal reality, what's around us, uh, that we, as we kind of move up the, up the tree, we can see further and we can expand what's possible for us. And I think that's something we're, we're all looking for to expand our own expression, what we can create and be in the world and uh, the collective contribution that we can make. So this is a large topic. Uh, there's going to be, you know, it's a multi-part episode uh, covering, you know, these large topics of mind, body, and spirit. And in this episode, we'll be covering the biology or the body aspect of biohacking and the work that we do with FLFE. Yeah, so let's let's talk about what we see out there in the world of self-optimization or biohacking. So optimizing the body is perhaps the most recognizable of hacks. Uh, and what is termed biohacking, of course, uh, most often refers to. The great thing about our body is that if we change something in our lifestyle, it shows up pretty quickly in our physical body. So there's a nice quick feedback loop there. Mm -hmm. So optimizing the body can include optimizing our genetic and epigenetic expressions. The field of epigenetics is fascinating. It means stewarding the health and wellness of our organs, muscles, bones, tissues, hormonal and immune systems, and all the other aspects that run our physical vessel. Exercise, food, nutrition are good starting points, which we do talk about as a support in to the FLFE community. Um, we actually talk uh, quite a bit about a field that we feel uh, that we recognize as emerging, which is consciousness nutrition, and part of that is relates is related to the supplements and minerals that can support us to rise in consciousness, and we'll cover that in detail in just a few minutes. And again, we're looking for that critical factor in consciousness nutrition to raise the level of consciousness of the body. So where can we put the least amount of effort in and get the most amount of gain? Mm -hmm. Optimizing your nutrition and micronutrition means you're providing the body with the building blocks it needs to function and repair itself. So different areas of physical biohacking, supplements and minerals. Well, this is where we talk about consciousness nutrition. Mm -hmm. In 
doing research on the body and trying to support higher levels of consciousness, especially in a high consciousness field, we came to the conclusion that um, the nervous system was the critical factor for most of humanity. Mm-hmm. And then we looked at what was the critical factor in the nervous system, and it was a myelene sheath. So then we did research on what feeds the myelin sheath and it came down to magnesium and essential fatty acids. And then we looked at the ratio of those and the dosage of those. And so, uh, and then there's actually a synergy. So if you take the essential fatty acids and magnesium within 30 minutes of each other, they work better than if you don't. And we find that the EF, uh, EFA ratio to magnesium ratio four to one is about the best, uh, but the optimal ratio. And in terms of dosing, um, typically when you start taking magnesium supplementation, if you take more and more of it, you'll get to a point where your stool or your bowels get really loose. And so that is where we'll usually start to back off. So if you Mm -hmm. start with, say, 4,000 milligrams of uh, essential fatty acids, get a cold fish source, if you're vegan, you can go with a uh, flaxseed um, source, mm-hmm. and you can mm-hmm. keep increasing the dose until you feel uh, it's uncomfortable in terms of your bowel movements. Now, interestingly enough, as we did thousands and, and thousands of dosages of this on ourselves and kind of our inner circle, um, we came to this these conclusions, and then one of our uh, one of our friends, one of the inner circle people mentioned a gentleman named Charles Poliquin. Charles Mm -hmm. Poliquin was the the number one trainer of Olympic athletes in Canada. Mm -hmm. And his conclusions were that the nervous system was the the critical factor, if you will, not so much in raising consciousness, but in increasing physical performance. So it's Mm -hmm. the body's ability to transmit electricity around, around itself. And in, of course, the spiritual traditions, it's really about the nervous system carrying light to support a higher level of consciousness, and they just happen to both line up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I thought that was really interesting, Clayton. And his research, you know, at, lump, at some point, the muscle size and strength um, became not, not as important as the nerve capacity. Mm-hmm to feed that muscle, the impulses it needs to, to do its job. So that really is such a great parallel to having the, uh, the capacity of the nervous system support a higher level of consciousness, um, through its capacity. And, um, we should also mention the forms of magnesium that to, for absorbability, uh, we, we have, um, in the FLFE.net website, under tools, supplements for consciousness support, we have a number of different uh, magnesiums and you know different different formulations. Do you want to talk a little bit about that, Clayton? You're you're well versed on what absorbs well. Yes, um, there's different people that are um, focusing on either selling a single magnesium supplement like magnesium biglycanate or magnesium 3 and 8. 3 and 8 is typically the most absorbable form. Uh, mm. But I think these general rules have to be kind of carefully examined because each body is unique and we use muscle testing to verify a lot of 
the level of appropriateness of a supplementation. And then there are people out there like uh, Dr. Todd Ovocatus, who owns the company uh, Gematria, and that's in our in our website. And he, you know, he's formulated a, a kind of a multi-spectrum. I think it's called magnesium. There's various mm-hmm. types, so you're more likely to get what you need from a multi-spectrum one, unless you're a really good tester and you can say, okay, this particular one is really good, and that's what I need now. And I mean, we often shift about every three months, Jeff, like change up the, mm-hmm. the, uh, the product. If we're taking, mm-hmm. like we use AOR as a, is it got a really high standard? Dramatria has got a really high standard. There's a company called mm-hmm. uh, true roots. So mm-hmm. if you find these really high end brands, even those, if you switch them up about every three months or every bottle, you get a fairly large bottle, you know, if it's three or four months, even six, mm-hmm. but just to switch them up once in a while, because the body seems to like, the the process of adaptation to a different type of supplement. Yeah, and using kinesiology to measure the appropriateness of a supplement or food, it is really interesting to me that something I eat a lot, you know, get in a habit mm-hmm. of eating something or taking a particular type of vitamin, that over time it does get lower in appropriateness for me. That, um, you know, the body's like, come on, let's switch it up, mm-hmm. move to something else. Um, so that it, it's a general principle, I believe, of kind of rotating. And maybe it's, you know, similar to some of the weightlifting um, techniques of, you know, switching and constantly uh, re, um, re-challenging the body mm-hmm. in a different way. Yeah, that fits in with the uh, anti-fragile pers- uh, perspective on things is that we're, mm-hmm. we're best on, uh, to, to a degree when we're adapting, we don't want to have too much stress, but mm-hmm. um, having doing the same thing every day in the same way and, uh, and eating the same food, it, it doesn't appear to be the, the, the way that we're designed to be at our best. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about supplements and minerals and biohacking, I mean, vitamin D, especially in the winter here in Canada and other places, there's obviously parts mm-hmm. of the U.S. that are as no, probably almost as north or as far north as Canada. Um, for all practical purposes, not many people live up there anyway. Um, when you get into these low light times of year, you need to make an extra effort to supplement with, with vitamin D. It's, it's not as good as um, being out in the light. But it does uh, it does help if you do it, and then zinc is another big immune system uh, booster, mm-hmm. and uh, immunity is it's always important, especially in in these in this day and age with mm-hmm. the pandemic going on. Yeah, I've found even in the summer, mm-hmm. um, unless I'm e- even when I'm out in the sun a lot, you know, part of it depends on you know, where you are in relation to the equator, but also how much skin you're able to, you know, get in the sun. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we're out with our clothes on, we're really not getting much vitamin D, even if it's, you know, we're hiking out in the, in the sun, it's just on our necks and arms maybe. So I've, I find that using kinesiology, I need to take it pretty much all year long, vitamin D to, to, to keep, to keep it up. But I do make an effort to get in the sun and, um, you know, reset in the morning, particularly in the sun, uh, is good, good for the system, but also to generate as much naturally as I can. 
Yeah, I know up in, uh, so I lived in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada for about 20 years. And the Coastal Health Authority there started recommending 10,000 IUs of vitamin D a day in the winter. And mm -hmm. uh, they, they found it was so positive for the uh, residents of uh, old age homes that the province just bought that supplement for them because, uh, mm -hmm. or they provided it through their, through their own nutritional program because it reduced the, uh, the, the illness by such a large amount. It was a huge return. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you're in Arizona, it might be a thousand IUs a day. So you really have to mm -hmm. figure out where you are and what your lifestyle is. The other discovery we made for health in rising in consciousness, consciousness of both the physical body and the, the, um, I guess you could say the spiritual or consciousness ascension is amino acid blends. So that was something we, we just wasn't on our radar, uh, though we were, you know, it was testing, testing high f appropriateness for us to eat a lot of protein. But the amino acid blends were, you know, a really efficient way to get those amino acids into our system. Um, and it seems to really support to support functioning in particular while we, you know, while we're rising in consciousness. But and while we're in high consciousness fields uh, and really just in general for repair and optimization. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's the soil or the what it is, but... I just don't know if food have, foods have as much amino acids as they used to. I know magnesium is pretty well studied in that regard, but I'm not sure. We just sort of discovered this amino acid idea maybe three to six months ago. Um, and we're just starting to try to find ways to measure the how a high consciousness field may kind of use more amino acids because there is, um, when you're in a high consciousness field, the body naturally has more resources, has more energy to do the repairs that it needs and optimize itself. And anytime you have uh, increased regenerative uh, activity, you're going to need more amino acids. So that makes sense. It's mm -hmm. just trying to find out um, because research in a high consciousness field has really not been a focus of many people. There's not a lot of data out there. So we have to do research. And when we're researching the research, we, you know, we have to look at with their variables and controls and see how that applies to a high consciousness field. So that's on our research list. Well, it's certainly something bodybuilders have found and elite athletes, you know, that, that are using amino acids to support, you know, mus muscle growth and stamina. So it is, it's definitely out there in the, in the physical world for, for health and well-being. Um, but yeah, for really is helps me personally with uh, functioning and, uh, especially after exercise, mm -hmm. when I, when I supplement with amino acids after exercise, it really helps me, uh, have more energy into the rest of the day. Yeah. I think there's been a few people that we've been talking to this about and all the ones that I know who have taken it regularly, they're finding that it's an, it's, it's another level of quality of life and, or energy. And um, for those of you who don't, who are maybe not familiar with functioning, so we, we talk a lot about level of consciousness in our work, and we refer a lot to the Dr. David Hawkins map of consciousness. And then we made another distinction called level of functioning. 
So level of consciousness is sort of your being and level of functioning is your ability to take action. Um, our mission is to create the optimal conditions for the evolution of consciousness in an economized society. And the economized society part is where most of us, we have to get up and go to work. So functioning is pretty important. Otherwise, you don't get paid. <laughs> so, um, so that's just a term that we use. And I'm, I'm just reminding myself, Jeff, that we're, we're so used to talking in our own kind of vernacular, our own specialized language that if you're just if you're first time listening to us, we don't want to leave you uh, leave you out of the conversation by not explaining what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So water, I mean, you can't talk much about biohacking without water and hydration. Um, mm-hmm. If our research is correct and we we know it's pretty accurate, we figure about eighty percent of the people on the planet are dehydrated. Um, mm-hmm. When you're looking at hydration, the, the the number that keeps coming up is half your body weight in ounces of hydrating liquid a day. I mean, water is obviously the most common one. If you drink a cup of coffee, that's you know that's two cups of water to rehydrate after that. And mm-hmm. um, you know, coming into the holiday season here, so more time eating uh, those uh, all those carbohydrates. You know, you got to pay attention to the water, otherwise. Mm-hmm. You start to get kind of clogged up, and then you want more coffee to, you know, get the get the adrenaline <laughs> running, and then that's kind of a vicious circle. Mm-hmm. It may be a big part of, you know, what people consider a hangover. You know, mm-hmm. feeling bad in the morning after uh, you know alcohol and not much water is is dehydration. And I know when I'm dehydrated just from. Uh, you know, from a busy, you know, physical activity and maybe being so busy that I haven't gotten to drink as much as normal. Um, and then sleeping and wait, you know, we all wake up uh, with a, a deficit of, of water after, after a night's sleep. And man, that can just feel so groggy and out of it. And um, once I get a good, you know, liter or two liters of water in me with some, with some salt or other electrolytes and it's just a completely different world. Yeah. My, my life works way better. If the first thing I do is I get up in the morning and I get yeah, a liter, liter and a half, maybe two liters, but not really. I get that much into me right away. You know, maybe make some herbal tea or something. It's uh, it, it's odd when I'm dehydrated, I just don't tend to like the taste of water, but when I get hydrated, I, I love the taste of water. That's <laughs> a paradox. I think it has something to do with the thirst receptors and there's a, there's a reset we recommend once in a while. If you've been dehydrated for a while, um, just drink, you know, 75% of your body weight one day or uh, maybe a little bit more or less. And once you get to a certain level of hydration, it kind of resets your thirst receptors and you seem to crave what's good for you versus craving stimulation. And, um, Certainly, I have lots of anecdotal evidence for that, but I just don't. Hmm. I just don't quite. I don't think I understand how it really works, but it, it definitely works. That's interesting. So you take a day and and really load up on water that day, of course, with the appropriate uh, electrolytes. Yeah. And um, yeah, reset the. I noticed that the other day I was um, uh, a little bit dehydrated in the morning, and um, 
you know, it was hard. I had a hard time getting the water down. It didn't taste great, but, but by mid morning, the water tasted awesome. And I just kept going, you know, and I got, got it way up. So that's interesting. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't understand why that works that way, but uh, maybe we'll be able to figure that out in the next little bit. If we focus on it, we could find some good research and measure the level of truth of that. And mm -hmm. um, yeah. So we'll, we'll be getting more into water and other episodes and, you know, it's such an important part of life and, you know, we really can't go long without, without water. Um, so what about the quality of water? I know, you know, that's important. We, you know, we talk about for FLFE subs subscribers, people in the community to, you know, drink a good source of water you know, not tap water if you can, um, like a spring water that has natural minerals in it, but really avoiding the fluoride and the, uh, you know, other things in the water that might be in a municipal water supply, like chlorine. Yeah, I mean, the, the municipality or the whatever your language is in your jurisdiction, their job is to get the water to your tap that's not full of Giardia and Cryptosporidium and anything else. That might cause a GI issue or or even poisoning to different degrees. And then it's our job from there to filter it or purchase water that's really good for drinking. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, obviously alkalinity is a big topic in today's society. Um, there's different ways to measure surface tension and and the uh, absorbability of water. It's really not going to be the focus of our conversation today. That's that's weeks worth of podcast just in itself but uh, dr emoto's work is really interesting to see the potential of water with a certain thought associated with it expressed in a visual mm -hmm. form is really mm -hmm. kind of life-changing if you haven't seen that I, I got an opportunity to, to actually see dr emoto speak when i lived in vancouver british columbia mm -hmm. and I bought the book and it was like a coffee table book in our place for for a long time it was just uh, very interesting to see thought forms expressed in crystalline water structure. Mm -hmm. We did a study in uh, of the FLFE field with uh, Dr. Moto's son. Uh, Dr. Moto's passed over, and um, the crystal came back uh, partway be between the standardized water crystal forms, which there are many. Uh, ours came back uh, halfway between sort of truth and love. And uh, you can go on our website and look at that that study, and you can certainly find lots of lots of images of Dr. Moto's work uh, online, or you can you know buy some of the books. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's it was a breakthrough in my awareness to know that water has thoughts, you know, that it has a field of consciousness associated with it or in it. Uh, I don't know, intersleeved with it. I don't know how to best put it, but that by ingesting that water, that those thought forms are coming in. Um, it's um, we've purchased a a system that takes the memory out of water. Mm -hmm. The nine 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 hexahedron company that that or that's the product companies in Canada, um, which spins the water in a way that takes the memory out of the water. Um, and um, 
I know, Clayton, when you and I were traveling one time, we had to, uh, we had to buy some water, some your your typical bottled water. Uh, when we tested it, it was really low, yeah, uh, in appropriateness, or it wasn't you know great. And um, you know, we we blessed it. We we basically put our intentions onto the water for the water to to rise in appropriateness for us, and just kind of focus the energies our our personal energy on the water. And um, lo and behold, the, the appropriateness of the water came up. So there is the ability to change uh, water in many ways. There's sort of the traditional, you know, you know, acid versus alkalinity and, and filtration and uh, microstructuring. But the thought forms are also uh, affect us that are in water. Yeah, I mean, if you live in a large metropolitan area and your water source is coming from outside the city through the city, it's picking up all the energy from the city. And, you know, some of that can be very well be positive and some of it may not be something you want to have to manage in your body. Your body is extraordinary and it will manage Mm -hmm. all those things. And if you have more energy freed up from drinking good, good water, then your body can use that and the way that it knows how to optimize your life. Um, Mm -hmm. I really noticed when we were traveling recently that when I was in a hotel with chlorinated water, it just, my whole day was just dull. And um, Mm -hmm. it reminded me that, you know, most of the research we've done talks about the the effect of liver uh, on the liver of chlorine in the water. Mm -hmm. And so if you can get the chlorine out of your water as well, that's going to help your liver and your liver is, you know, responsible for so many metabolic functions in the body. If it has more energy, everything's just going to work better. So if you're showering in chlorinated water for a long time and you change that only, then um, my experience with everybody that's done that, everybody, I mean, hundreds of people, that their energy increases for the positive. Yeah, yeah that was the shock to me that how much that chlorine enters our skin through a shower. Um, you know, I've always been very careful about what I drink, um, but what I shower in now, you know, that, that I learned from you, Clayton, mm-hmm. that can really affect your liver. That that chlorine just enters your skin and goes right into your bloodstream, and then your liver's got to work extra hard to get it out. Um, yeah, so that... So these whole water treatment systems to take the chlorine out or shower head, you know, mm-hmm. adapters that you can put on that have a filter that take chlorine out are useful to do. The other good investment, we we got the same house system, I think, as you, Jeff, to take the memory out. And then we actually got a double chlorine filter on the mm-hmm. as an option just to get as much out as you can. Mm-hmm. Doesn't didn't really cost that much more in the in the in the kind of the context of the whole system. But um, you become, I don't know, you seem to become more sensitive to chlorine over time if you don't, if it's not really in your system. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the experiment where they have a bottle, they have a glass of water that's chlorinated and they put mm-hmm. a drop in it that shows the chlorine is there. And then mm-hmm. they have another glass of water and they put, which chlorinated, and they put your finger in and then they pull your finger out. You put the drops in to show the chlorine and there's hardly any chlorine in there because it's absorbed into your body. That's how I learned about the power of chlorine. It's like I, that was pretty hard to deny. Mm-hmm. Your body just sucks mm-hmm. it right out of the water. 
Mm-hmm. That, uh, yeah, it's pretty pretty hard to deny that, deny that one. Yeah, the skin is such an organ of you know input for the body. I mean, and we we put lots of you know sunscreens and all sorts of things on our body that you know what those chemicals are coming right in. Mm-hmm. So it is it is something to to look at um, as a way to. Um, can you know control your environment as best you can what's coming into your body and it is easy to overlook the uh and i've overlooked in the past my skin is one of those ways things come in yeah yeah in fact we we use a, a supplement that we we put these drops on our arm jeff and rub them together that's how they mm-hmm. get absorbed yeah 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 drops of life yeah well, let's go on to uh, sensory deprivation. This is probably something you have a little more uh, background in than me, Jeff. Although we did get some new blinds in our place, as I was talking about this morning. Got these super blackout blinds. There's actually a channel on each side of the window frame and a channel on the bottom on the sill. The blinds come down within the channels, and that is a blackout blinds at a whole new level. Mm-hmm. And um, there's another another quality of sleep when it's that dark in the room mm-hmm. yeah so it's mm-hmm. a form of sensory deprivation i you know as you're drifting mm-hmm. off and waking up in the morning so i'm looking forward to seeing think- how that's gonna ha- uh, you know help over time you just need to put a float tank in your, <laughs> yeah, in your right. bedroom so you can do some journeying <laughs> in the totally black room we'll, we'll talk a little more about light uh but that's yeah that would be cool you should try that um yeah, the sensory deprivation that I'm familiar with was, you know, the float tanks um, that, you know, became popular in the 60s and 70s where you're, you know, totally, no, your senses are gone and you're floating in the saltwater solution. So you're, you're not really touching anything as well. Um, and people use that for, for going inward more deeply, for connecting, um, you know, to a higher power, to their guides. And, um, and I, I had tried that as, as a young man, um, un- rather unsuccessfully <laughs> since I didn't have the equipment, but, uh, more recently watching the movie, uh, superhuman on Netflix, invisible made visible, that whole idea of the blindfold, uh, perception where they're training, children and adults, you know, with their sight completely covered by these big, thick blinds and training them to see, to perceive, uh, without, uh, using their eyes. Um, and in that movie, they, there was a woman who was losing her sight. And so she used this method to read, uh, even though her sight was nearly gone. Uh, and these children, and I know some several people who are doing that training of people, a friend of mine in South Africa. And um, it, it's amazing. I mean, these kids are able to sort balls of different colors to run a uh, obstacle course, um, put the ball in the basket, all without seeing with their eyes. So that's that's a whole nother you know, way to access our abilities that, um, you know, is kind of outside of the mainstream understanding, but it's kind of part of that, you know, we're 
extraordinary in what we can do. And um, so that, that sensory deprivation of the eyes is really, is, is an interesting thing. I'd like to try to take that course and um, maybe I could, you know, read my notes for the webinar with a blindfold on during one of these webinars, <laughs> one of these episodes. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, maybe we can get blindfolded up and see if we can find our dinner. That's a motivation. <laughs> <laughs> well, we meant, you mentioned light and sleeping and that's, that's a big, that's a big topic there. And it's something that shows up in the biohacking community. Um, you know, as a way to, to really optimize sleep and the circadian rhythms and the production of melatonin. Um, I know you turned me on to some blue light blocking glasses that I wear at night. Yeah, we did a lot of research on, um, the influence of, uh, particularly the blue light spectrum on on uh, sleep, hormonal balance, and consciousness in general. And uh, there's a gentleman named uh, Dr. Richard Hansler. And um, I think he's a doctor. It's not, I'm not sure about that. But his uh, he has research um, published on lowbluelights.com. And he is one of the preeminent researchers in the world on uh, the effect of, of uh, blue light toxicity, as they call it. And with the an amount of screen time that most of us spend in our lives, especially in the last couple of years, you know, we're on smartphones late at night and those LED screens, they're sending, you know, a, a, a spectrum of, of, of white light is blue and they're sending it into our, uh, into the eyes. And the eyes have a way of interpreting blue light as daytime. And so all the hormones and all the bodily functions are, um, are activated when you're looking at a LED screen as though it is daytime. And because melatonin is the most, um, is the most potent antioxidant the body produces and your body typically needs three, uh, three to four hours of melatonin producing low light conditions to sleep optimally. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we believe it's one of the biggest contributors to the, to the lack of quality of sleep that most, most people get. Mm-hmm. Now, I've gotten out of the habit of wearing my, well, I wear my blue light blocker glasses probably three nights a week. And I'm actually, I've cracked my pair. So they're all kind of taped up with duct tape because they're fit overs. Right. And I look like a great kind of an alien bug, bug eyed monster walking around the house of the mon. So I got to work on my style a little bit, but uh, <laughs> I really noticed the difference in my sleep and, uh, you know, most of the time if I'm having dinner with some friends or something, I'd be looking like that. It's just awkward because I wear glasses most of the time. And uh, I just want to encourage people that I've seen lives turn around just from wearing blue light blocker glasses for three or four hours in the evening. Mm-hmm. And uh, I noticed it the first night I wore them. A lot of things I don't respond to, but that one was you know, very dramatic. Yeah, Dr. Jack Cruz's work. Um, has been inspirational for me there too. In fact, there's a great interview. Um, Luke Story interviewed Dr. Jack, Jack Cruz on Luke Story's podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that's getting out in the sun in the morning and yeah. you know resetting the body in direct sunlight. Um, you know, is really is 
it's an important part of the story too, as well as as soon as it gets dark outside, you know, really cutting out those, those, those blue light spectrums. And, um, you know, what, what, you know, the screen's one thing and, but it's also the household lights too. And yes. so I've replaced some of, some of ours with, you know, yellow lights. Those yellow lights, yeah. So those, some, those go on in the bedroom, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, the glasses go on for the rest of the house. But, uh, yeah, it's a, that's a really, really important piece and something that, uh, many, many, uh, people in this biohacking community are, are learning is, is really important for sleep and, and how important sleep is and the production of melatonin for the antioxidant effect and the rebuilding in the body and, um, immune system. I know, um, there's, there's studies that say, you know, you're, there's a direct correlation between your immune system strength and your, the amount of sleep that you're getting. Mm, yeah. yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the, uh, I call it the circadian rhythm reset. My optimal morning routine is, you know, I'm up, I got a liter and a half water in me, liter, maybe two liters. And then, um, I'm outside and, uh, spending 10 or 15 minutes looking up into the sky, not the direct sun, but into the, in the morning light as it's, um, where I'm in, I may not look, I may be up when the sun is already up, but I'm looking into the sky away from the sun and just getting some of that light in the, in, in, in my eyes in the morning. And it does, you know, when I'm on my, when I'm on my, uh, on top of my routine like that, it's another level of quality of life as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, sometimes you have to experience things, things to appreciate them and then, you mm-hmm. know, get out of the habit and go back to it. And then it's like, wow, this, you know, this is really worth doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the sun is such a has such a wide breadth of of frequent you know of of different frequencies, um, different wavelengths of light that are that that are coming that you know are have many benefits. And I know you know Dr. Jack Cruz was saying in that interview, you know, in the morning, just get as much of your body exposed to the sun as possible. You know, he must have a yard where he can do it naked because that's what he says he does. But uh, so it's not just your eyes; it's also your skin, mm-hmm. even in the, even those early mornings. Um, so the other thing that I've recently learned, and I, I went to a couple of biohacking conferences, which were really interesting, um, is is the red red light wavelengths, which are, of course are in the sun, and these. Um, can be really helpful. So I've, I've bought some red lights and I've been experimenting with those. Um, and there's just, there's some different, there's a lot of research on that, but there's particular wavelengths that work really well on uh, the red, the red light, you know, the 660 nanometers, there's kind of a range around that and the near infrared around 850 nanometers wavelength. You know, and there's range around that. And there's, good mitochondrial support and inflammation reduction and skin health and blood flow um, that uh, that the research has come out on 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 that mm-hmm. yeah so light um, both in its visible and um, invisible to our 
eyes uh, is in different wavelengths. So the wavelength, so the so light is moving in in a waveform, and those um, wavelengths are kind of the 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 peak to peak distance uh, in those waves. And um, when you talk about like a red light wave red light wavelength of six hundred and sixty nanometers, that's the distance of that kind of peak to peak or trough to trough and in, in, in the wavelength. And, um, you know, some of the wavelengths, particularly the, um, uh, the higher ones like the near infrared 850 penetrates further into the skin. So, um, just like a base, uh, you know, the sound, a, a low set bass sound, uh, carries so much further. Like if you hear music, you know, from the next, you know, neighborhood over you really you kind of hear that bass you hear the drums and the bass line you don't hear the high the high frequencies those are those are are higher wavelengths and the bass is lower and it tends to go further and penetrate further into the body so the the lower wavelengths may just warm your skin or penetrate a little bit into your skin and the higher ones um, they're you know the optimal ones that are beneficial can penetrate further into your organs and have beneficial effects there. Yeah. Interesting. Well, this whole world of biohacking, I mean, we're going to talk about one more, uh, maybe two more things, and then we're going to just go down a list of other topics you can look into because this world is a big world and uh, <laughs> we're just, you know, we're going to talk about the mental in our next episode and then the spiritual and uh, those ones probably aren't as studied because the emphasis of biohacking has been on really physical optimization. So mm -hmm. uh, I guess we've got sound, Jeff. Sound, mm -hmm. you know, these are the major ones. There's many different kinds of sound therapy, uh, guided meditations. Many of us uh, find that waves lapping on a, um, on a shore of a lake or an ocean, sound of water running, Seems to be the natural sounds have a calming effect. Uh, I'm sure there's good research out there on it. I just happen, don't happen to know any references for you, but some of that stuff's just self-evident. Um, guided meditations will very often use sound, probably 99% of them. There's a few that are just visual. And um, there's sound healing through vocalization. There's tuning forks. There's a whole world of DNA activation associated with tuning forks that we just haven't looked uh, into very much. Um, chanting is a long known aspect of, of devotional life, uh, kirtans. And, um, you know, Jeff, you got some personal experience that with Audrey, who's a, who's a chanter, mm -hmm. a kirtan, mm -hmm. uh, kirtan person. Yeah. It seems with, with that kind of chanting, there's such a history there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, thousands of years of chanting those, like in some cases, the Sanskrit chants. Uh, of course, there's many forms of this around the world, but, um, and it appears that there's a, a field, there's an activation of a consciousness field when those are chanted. And so uh, while this, the sound is also affecting us, the, uh, the field that's associated with it, I believe, is also has the effect mm -hmm. of, these, these blissful states, these connections to uh, higher power, to divinity in some ways, the, the uh, 
you know, the feeling of, of, of connection to, to, to all that is. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds one of my favorites. Yeah. We have some high consciousness music that we're going to start selling next year. We've got a, a special mm-hmm. field on, uh, some, uh, a particular artist music, <laughs> that, mm-hmm. Audrey's music, mm-hmm. and we're going to start selling mm-hmm. that. So there's a, I think there's a 700 field on the music. I think it was recorded in 850 zone, but it was 700 mm-hmm. field. So I certainly enjoy it in the, in my car when I'm driving. It seems mm-hmm. to keep me in the right headspace and out of the, out of the being preoccupied with how other people are driving headspace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we could, we could talk about a few other uh, subjects there are frequency devices, um, and we do need to be clear that FLFE is not a frequency, uh, you know, system. We're activating a high consciousness field. It's really a different technology. Um, I have a Beamer mat that I use for, um, you know, increasing circulation, particularly microcirculation, really good for recovering from injuries. Um, and then there's a whole, just a whole host of other uh, pulsed um, EMFs um, out there. And, of course, people that are sensitive to EMFs need to be careful about these things. And, um, you know, if you're considering one of these devices, you really want to try it yourself first. And, um, you know, companies like Ampcoil, who make it's almost a combination of sound and pulsed frequency uh, they always recommend that people try it, you know, not just once, but several times to really see how it interacts with their, with their system. Um, but these, you know, we think tend to think of EMFs uh, as, as not being positive. And as we've talked about in other podcasts, you know, there's positive EMFs and some of these devices are examples of that where it's, you know, working with, with the, uh, the frequencies in the body to 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 help us uh, balance and heal. So those can be really interesting. And the beamer just kind of pulses in your your entire um, musculature around your your micro you know arteries and veins and your large arteries and veins kind of pulse and it helps helps to move the blood in a way that uh, you don't always always get when you're just at a resting state. Yeah, we just uh, we just bought a Skinar, Jeff, and we talked about that. So, Cheryl um, hmm. and my wife uh, ended up breaking her arm not too long ago, and she's been going to a Chinese doctor, and he was using a Skinar, and she was just hmm. in awe of it. And I've heard lots of good things about it, and hmm. just never really got around to buying one. And uh, so we we uh, we ordered one last week, and hmm. I think you can use it for all kinds of other things. I haven't used one, but from what I've read, and I know people like. Uh, our friend Katrine down in Sedona, she's always, you know, she's raved about the Skinar for years and I probably should have mm-hmm. bought one years ago, but um, yeah, looking forward to playing with that. That's another, probably we call a frequency device. I think it uh, optimizes uh, the, um, the electrical transmission of energy through the body. And then it kind of, uh, then it adds energy to the, to it as well. I think it helps in both ways. So that's something that, you might want to look into if you haven't uh, if you haven't tried that. 
I'm, I'm holding my back myself back from searching and buying, and buying one, one while right we're now. talking right now. <laughs> 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 it's been really interesting exploring all these different all these different modalities and what's what's really great and something we've talked about and with our FLFE community is how well the FLFE technology works with all of these different modalities that, you know, when you're in the high consciousness field with more energy available and mm-hmm. the other benefits we've talked about, these, some of these other things work even, even better, or they work, you know, just as well and maybe in a different aspect. So, um, yeah, that's interesting. I, I'll look into that one, Clayton. So exercise is one of my, um, things that I've used for a long time to change my state, to keep my energy high, to, to repair and, uh, optimize myself. And, um, you know, that's could have just been that middle of the day hour of exercise a day. It's really made a huge difference for me. And, uh, that, that's a huge topic on its own. And, um, I know right, right before we got on today, I jumped on the rebounder, the little mini trampoline, and I know it's something you've used for years. Clayton. Oh yeah, decades. We've uh, we have two cellar sizers in the office. They're they're a brand of rebounder, the best one we found. I think David Hall is the probably the authority on rebounding in the world at this time. I would say that's pretty safe to say. Certainly the one that I'm aware of, and we have two in our home as well. We have one upstairs and one downstairs. And uh, two minutes on the rebounder can change your state. Not always, but it certainly can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, uh, <laughs> I was reading an article on rebounding once, and they said that that's why uh, the reason that cowboys were so tough uh, was because they were going up and down on the horse all day and it's mm-hmm. being like on a rebounder. <laughs> so every mm-hmm. organ, every gland in the body is getting exercise when you work against gravity. So it's gentle and, uh, and everything gets help. So you spend eight hours on it. Well, if you spend, if you don't have a rebounder and you spend half an hour on a rebounder, you are going to know it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you're even a little tiny health bounce, like you'll be, you'll be surprised. Uh, so spending eight hours on a horse. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And the rebounder is relatively inexpensive. It's something, you know, almost everybody can do so it's yeah. it's, a, it's a great tool great tool yeah no we haven't done any research yet about um what is a what does a rebound session do for your level of consciousness that might be <laughs> <something to> look into <laughs> at um at these some of these recent biohacking events i've been to uh, i've tried the hyperbaric chambers you know the oxygen therapy you know, uh, higher than atmospheric pressure mm. of, of, of oxygen. And uh, I found those quite interesting, a bit, you know, expensive and bulky to have in a home. But uh, there's there, if you have a provider locally, it's something to try and can really help with uh, healing of certain conditions to get more oxygen into, 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 your, uh, into your tissues. Yeah, when I've, when I've done hyperbaric chambers, I've only done a couple sessions. I find my hands get tangling. That's it. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's probably lots of other stuff going on that I'm not aware of, but that's the physical effect. Mm-hmm. So I always remember the um, going to the hot springs near Nelson mm-hmm. and jumping in the cold the cold plunge, <laughs> which is um, 
you know, when I think you go, you're in the hot spring, it's nice and warm and it's all this mineral water with, um, you know, all these great minerals, including lithium. So you're good and relaxed and you jump in that cold plunge and the body just instantly, you know, um, goes into a whole different mode of, um, you know, awareness. <laughs> yeah. And that, that, so the cold thermogenesis is another thing that you see in this biohacking world where people are using the cold as a tool for really, I think it's in the back to the anti-fragile, mm -hmm. you know, it's uh, acclimating to, you know, these low temperatures to really shock the body into healing and recovery mode. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people have heard about Wim Hof over the last few years and, uh, He's probably the, uh, I don't say the poster child for, for cold thermogenesis. And uh, I've studied a little bit of, he doesn't seem to have an academic approach. He has a more kind of social uh, proof approach, I guess. I'm thinking of social proof of, you know, he has a lot of media where he's in um, large tubs of ice water, you know, barrels to, um going on the television and, you know, getting into these plexiglass containers full of ice. He's been diving underneath lakes, obviously that are, you know, covered in ice. And, uh, I think he walked, walked up part of Everest. I'm trying to remember how far he got. I think it's 12,000 feet, but I just can't remember. He did that. In his, just in his, sh just in his shorts, right? shorts, bare feet, you know, you know, shirt, like, <laughs> so, um, I mean, he's great to watch like that. It's really, we actually have a couple uh, clubs in Nelson. I don't know if they're clubs, but they go down to uh, Lakeside Park here. And at the end, of, we have a 400 foot deep glacier fed lake at 65 miles long. And Nelson lives on a river coming out of that. It's classic Canadiana in that way. And um, this time of year, it starts to get into that really sweet spot for cold thermogenesis. And uh, in terms of temperature, so there's a group of people that used to go down 5 a.m. in the morning and then another group at 7. And I don't, you know, I seen a group down there on the weekend. It wasn't at 5 or 7, but I think there's just a group of people that got into it. And uh, we've, got a, we've got a couple of people in the office, um, Don in particular. He started doing, you know, cold showers. And uh, it's the people that I've seen do it, it changes their skin for sure. That's what you see on the outside. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But uh, Jack Cruzes, I think the um, the person that, that I found whose research on cold thermogenesis is the most interesting. Mm -hmm. If you want to see people do extreme cold thermogenesis, you know, uh, <laughs> events, then Wim Hof seems to be the guy. So uh, <laughs> that's not really my world. There might be other people who are. Do you want to watch videos rather than doing it yourself? Yes. Yeah. yeah, of course. <laughs> so EMF mitigation is is another subject and and um luke story is is uh, a blogger that uh, has a podcast in this in this biohacking world who uh, was very concerned about that he's very sensitive to to uh, emfs what we call consciousness lowering emfs or those that really affect the the nature of the of the environment and um, he found us, we've interviewed with him a number of times. He's been on our service for, for some time now. And um, he's an interesting one in that area. Um, Shungite is one of the top 
top things that we've found to to harmonize EMFs and um, you know we've also built Faraday cages and done you know other things and I know Luke's talked about papering his bedroom with uh, conductive paper and grounding it mm-hmm. to uh, reduce reduce the incoming EMFs. Yes, to to give an example of uh, EMFs and high consciousness fields, we did a study with the um, Institute of Noetic Science out of Petaluma, California, and they had a Faraday cage, which was a several-inch thick steel cage and um, with no electric devices, uh, electronic devices in it except for four random number generators. And we were able to make the random number generators less random there's four of them in the mm-hmm. room. So that's uh, an example of how uh, a high consciousness field technology can, can transcend uh, traditional Faraday cages to create a supportive environment. So when you're talking about EMF mitigation, you may want to look into you know the, the positive influence of Faraday cages for, for some people. Some people really respond to that. So, you know, and it's not something that I've seen in the biohacking, but certainly the the flow of life force energy chi prana and we've been talking about that from the FLFE environment where there's just more of that available and the body picks it up and part of our service has kind of the supporting the unblocking of that flow so the flow of chi through the body so you know acupressure acupuncture you know is another you know in chinese medicine way to optimize your the flow of energy through your body and i know you get acupuncture once in a while clayton mm-hmm. and and uh, even chiropractic work to free up you know physical blockages like bones in the wrong place or pinched you know pinched nerves or pinched areas of the body can still can also help with that flow of chi or prana through the body yeah, I found that the last couple of times, I guess it's because I'm not as kind of more aligned recently that when the chiropractor is doing adjustments, there's no kind of, I, I go to a traditional type who um, oftentimes you'll hear a pop when something's adjusted. And even though there's no pop um, or crack, uh, cracking sound, the the kinesiology test he does before and after shows that there is an increase in strength in the body. And he relates it to uh, partially to proprioception. Mm-hmm. And so that is another field that is fascinating. Um, there's almost the same benefit if there's no kind of physical sound or noticeable adjustment mm-hmm. because you reorient the, reorient the, the body's proprioception of itself in space. And, mm-hmm. um, that's you know that's something I've been going to chiropractors for a long time, and it's only the last six months when I've really noticed just the benefit of still going even though there's no adjustment. Just with and that's proven through the kinesiology test of strength and weakness of a muscle group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and speaking of kinesiology and kind of preparation for that, is are these energetic optimization exercises, which I mean, it kind of fits into what you're saying is part of optimizing the flow of energy through our bodies and that uh, Jerry Teplitz and his switched on Mm -hmm. living, you know, using these exercises to really change your state 
and your strength and your abilities. I know you did some some research on that. It's PACE, is that right? Yeah, PACE is a uh, an acronym for a series of alignment exercises in the energetic mm. uh, optimization world. We just happen to know Jerry's work. It's you know well researched, well vetted. He's a he's a solid guy. He's been doing that for a long time. Um, but uh, that's you know if you haven't looked into Pace or Jerry Templates, look into that one. Hmm. Well, the list the list is huge here. Yeah. Just just on physical, you know, the body portion of by the biohacking, um, and we'll be we'll be going more deeply into mind and spirit as really important aspects of ourselves and in this world. And, um, you know, with these different modalities, you know, you could do, there's a lot of fancy things here. There's a lot of expensive things. And you can also just go outside barefoot and ground out mm-hmm. in the earth and get a benefit from that. Um, certainly like the, uh, the things you can do that are low cost, you know, and the little trampolines are fall in that category and grounding, grounding yourself is, is another one. So at the end of our podcast, we'd like to uh, suggest that people take action. So one thing I learned in the coaching industry, and I've been in it since 1995, is that when you take action on something you learned in a coaching session or in a, you know, if you're sitting in a seminar, you take action on something you learned or you listen to a podcast or, you know, YouTube video or read a good book. If you take action on something you've learned, it helps integrate the learning. And so the opportunity for us is to take action on what we've discussed today and there's lots of things to do here. We haven't really got into the world of aromatherapy. We haven't talked about the many types of body work from, you know, Rolfing, Feldenkrais. Um, there's just so many types of body work. Uh, so you can do, ex- do an experiment that works for you. It's always interesting to consider what the critical factor is in your life where you can get the most amount of gain for the least amount of effort. Some of these cost a little bit of money. Some cost a lot. Some cost nothing. So spending money isn't always uh, necessary or isn't, isn't always even the best answer to improve the quality of our life. So you consider um, what you think will work for you and, um, and try it for a week or two weeks. And you, know, you can journal, track your, your progress, and and get a, get, a, get a look at how that's going to influence the life mm-hmm. you're experiencing today and, and, the, and the one mm-hmm. you're going to be creating in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so some of the low-cost things you could do for the next two weeks could be grounding every day, getting out in the sun in the morning, maybe blue lights at night, you know, blue light blocking at night if you get a pair of glasses, um, mini trampoline every day. Uh, the FLFE free trial, there's no cost for two weeks there. You can mm-hmm. try that and try a high consciousness field as, as, as uh, something to uh, change your environment, see what happens with your body. And, uh, you know, we're really glad to have you with us on this fascinating subject. 
there's a lot here and we're really um, looking forward to getting into the mind with you. There's really a lot there as well and it's not as 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 well covered in this in this biohacking world and also into the spirit. So join us please join us next time for that. Thanks for joining this episode of Fields of Consciousness, a podcast of Consciousness Conversations. We invite you to visit the link below the episode to experience a completely free trial of Focused Life Force Energy for 15 days. If you like, you can subscribe to the Fields of Consciousness podcast and please tune in next time. We release new episodes every other week on Tuesdays at 11.11 a.m. PST. Onward and upward. Thank you.